Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. So today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, we have um, Kevin Chu. Um, he has worked for at Lancaster History for 30 years. He's helped thousands of researchers over this time period. He has helped authors of numerous books and given lectures on various topics here in Lancaster, as well as Dublin, Ireland, Belfast, Northern Ireland, County Turn? Tyrone. Tyrone. Mm-hmm. Uh, North Ireland and Quinnipiac University in Connecticut. So thank you for joining us on the podcast. Um, did you um, and you're gonna we're gonna talk today? I know a little bit about um, house history and how to research that. But tell me a little bit about yourself and how did you how did you come to be? Are you like a librarian? Are you a preservationist? Like what? What? How do you classify yourself? Oh well, yeah. I guess basically I worked at libraries during college for for. Um, Income, okay. You know, you know and, yes. and so I worked at libraries during college days, and then uh, I went into actually about a, over, a little bit over a decade with advertising media and what have you. Uh, and after about a decade of that, I thought, you know, I'm going to sort of try to take uh, another route. So yes. the other route was something that I was familiar with, which was working here. Working in library, yeah. In library, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, very, very, very interesting. I, I find that as I'm doing these podcasts, people find their way into preservation and history, you know, kind of a, 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 a circumvent way. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Lancaster history and uh, what, what you do here, what the mission is. Well, Lancaster history is the current name for Lancaster history. Uh, before that, we were lancasterhistory.org and before that, we merged with the home of President James Buchanan in Wheatland. And before, before we merged, Lancaster History was actually Lancaster County Historical Society. And then the other organization was President James Buchanan's home, okay. Wheatland. Right. So once we merged, then we had to have a unified name. Mm-hmm. Okay, but as far as Lancaster County Historical Society goes, we were publishing journals uh, way back in like 1894. So we have a long history here. And the building that we're now look, we're working in, or, or, where we're talking, is actually the original building of the Lancaster County Historical Society, which was built about 1962, 63. Yeah. 
Okay, well, very, very good. Thank you. Um, I know we had our event here, I guess, at the beginning of June now, and um, we did a tour of Wheatland, and I, um, I, I'm just impressed with the facility and every, everything you have. It's, it, you, you can really serve the community. Yeah, what's, what's nice about it, I always mention this to people when they come in and they're wondering about the building itself, and that is, it's green technology. Mm -hmm. So it's solar panels on top and we're geothermal. Oh, very and cool. I usually tell people that if they go out this one particular door, just like Old Faithful to the geyser, if they just happen to go out the door at the right time, they'll see the steam coming out of the pipe. Oh, yes. The yeah. <laughs> that, that's very interesting. So um, what are the two house history questions you're asked the most? Well, the, the two would be mostly that people want to know when the house was built mm -hmm. or how old the house is. And the other one is... The people who want to know more about the people who live there right at their house so those are the two main questions the mo so they want to know when it was built and who lived there and, and their story right yeah mm -hmm. and um, so why is it important to know who owned the property well, that's, that's dependent on I mean both questions need that right right and so the reason why it's needed for the first question is you need to pull in other records and look at them, and I'll tell you which ones they are. Yes, then, yeah. Uh, to try to determine when a structure is built. So, one of the one of the records would be the tax records. Mm. The, and I, I always mention this story because it's I always find it's just there's always an exception right but basically people say I want to know when my house was built and I usually tell people you won't get an exact date you'll, you'll get like a, a general idea right from a, a time frame a, like yeah. a time frame and one 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 time in the tax record there was a reference saying how new house built and gave the date <laughs> <laughs> but but generally speaking the tax records what happens is you have to know the owners right so you so you can look at the right entry that will tell you when there's a significant spike in the valuation of the property. Uh, that makes sense. So before it's land, it's unimproved, and then once the property's built, it makes it the the taxes more. Right. Yeah. I mean, okay. and, and so so that's why you need for that question. That's why you need to have the owners. Right. And the other thing is that with the with a spike, you have to be sure to canvas all the people in that particular area in the tax book to make sure it wasn't a, a general hike in taxes. Right, that they weren't just trying to raise money, yeah. Right, and the other thing too is you have to look, see if there's any acreage uh, difference between these. Oh, that makes sense, too. yeah. So, but if everything is constant, then that's generally a good sign that something there's an improvement as far as a building or structure. Right. Okay, that makes sense to me. And then so and then to I guess either way you need to know that for to the owner so that you can research who they were or, you know, when it was built. So and then um, you can use the deeds then to search also like who owned it sub, sub, um, Subsequently, I was trying to, right. trying to remember right. that word. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, 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 the deeds will, the more current deeds will, about 99% of the time will tell you the exact record to look at Okay. for the previous transaction. Generally speaking, the deeds follow a format, which would be, um, would give you 
you know, the buyer's seller, mm -hmm. and it will tell you the location, and it'll be then giving you a surveyor's description. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Now, in Pennsylvania, I'm not sure how, how if there's anyone researching in, middle, in the right, Midwest. Right, outside, yeah. But in Pennsylvania, in the colonial states, it's what they call METS, M-E-T-E-S, and bounds. And that's where they say by the stream, by the tree, oh, by yes. the, all that. And of course, that there's there's a problem there because not not all the trees back in 1750 are going to be here anymore. Right? Yeah, we've been yeah. doing some research, and I, we keep finding the property is like across the street from this person. It's like, well, we don't know where that person <laughs> is either. <laughs> well, I, I think I think like well, like last year, I was waiting for this to happen in one of the deeds. I probably if I happened in one of the deeds that we were researching for someone. And that was, they gave a surveyor's description, and one of the descriptions was under a rock. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that depends on how big that rock is. Right. But that's the meets and bounds. In okay. The, in the Midwest, the, what some people call expansion states, they do township and range. Okay. And quarters and quarters and quarters. And yeah. so you can, you can really know exactly where it's, where it's at. Right, yeah. I've so driven in some of those... Um, the prairies in Nebraska, and um, my my dad's sister lives there, and it's just every every corner's an acre. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, a lot yeah. of times when people come here, there's a lot of people coming in from out of the area, mm -hmm. and so there's a little bit of an uh, instruction curve if they've never experienced meets and bounds. Oh yes. Yeah. So so I always sort of give them the comparison. Did that? Did those? Do they, do they have those descriptions in the modern deeds been updated and they're just, like can you go backwards and then see that or is it do they pretty much stay consistent throughout the same the same property? Do you, do you understand what I mean? You mean do they still use the, yes, the, yes. the meets and bounds? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now one thing in Lancaster and I think in northern states is that there's a matter of terminology too. You have to be looking out for in the deed a word called messwash and what messwash means is a house okay okay in the southern states um a lot of the deeds i think have a term called curtilage it doesn't mean a house it means grounds surrounding a house okay <laughs> little little fine difference there right so so if anyone's working on on something in the southern states they might come across curlage that's a good way of knowing that there's a house a there. house around it or that's a house right. yeah it's yeah. around the house and, okay. and here it, it'll be mess wash and you have to sort of watch out for the boilerplate type of thing like by the stream but you know right and 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 rights and water privileges and water website water rights and such and if they keep naming that, it's you're not quite. You can't be certain that even if they say a house or outbuilding, that there's anything there. If they keep just having it, it was like kind of copy paste. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, where where can someone find the deed records? I, do you have some of them here, or some of them? Well, for Lancaster County research, they have. What I suggest is they Google. Um, just in the search term, just Lancaster Recorder of Deeds. And it'll take you there, make sure it's Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay, but usually somehow Google knows. It knows, it knows <laughs> where you are. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the, the top 
fine. We'll usually be nice to yes. record these. And then you have to sort of go through, step your way through it a little bit. It's free. It's it's government records. It's public public records. And and then you would do um, you'd have to sort of sign in to what they call infodex. Uh, and you acknowledge you're a guest, and then you get into the infodex. Well, then the infodex is pretty pretty ex- uh, exhaustive. They okay. have all sorts of deeds from 1729. Deed indexes from 1729 to 17 uh, to eight. Try this again mm-hmm. to 1980. 1980. Okay. So the big gap is if someone doesn't know what who owned the property after like. 1981 to now. Okay. Okay. There is a way to get there. Uh, I attempted it right before we did this, uh, or doing this, and for some reason the cookies got in the web. Oh, yes. And when I backed out, it won't let me back in because they think the session's still open. Right. So, but but there is a way to to do that. Uh, There's a backup plan if they don't, if if your listeners don't really want to, if they have issues with that, yes. that, that portion of it, then they would have to go to either the public library or here okay, and check into the city or county directories. Oh, yes. Okay. okay. And the only, the only proviso is the directories are usually don't reference if the person owns the property or just living there. So the, okay, so you just know that the person who lived there, you don't know actually who the owner is. Right. I mean, it could be the owner, but mm-hmm. it may not be. Especially right. in Lancaster City, if someone's in Lancaster City, there is a lot of uh, investment properties for apartments and yes. stuff. Yes. So yeah. that's the only proviso with that. Okay. And they also use old information too. Okay. And the the more recent deed searches, so from like 1981 on, is that also available online or? But that's that's what I was. Trying. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and so. Within the recorder of deeds website, there should be a there'll way be, to... it'll say uh, search public records. Okay, they won't specifically say deeds. Okay, but you can get if you click into that, they'll give you a wide variety of record, public records, including deeds. So you have to sort of deselect everything and okay. then just select deeds and okay. then search. Okay, there. So yeah, they can do that. It's still available. Okay, very good. Um, are there any other local organizations that you would recommend people visit? You know, what kind of information that people could provide if, or what the, the organizations could provide if they're, um, yeah. you know, searching for their house histories? Well, I'd say the Historic Preservation Trust. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I know they have survey records. Yeah, we, yeah. we have their printed material here. Okay. Uh, Lancaster's Heritage and our present past. That was done quite a while ago now, a number of decades ago. But that, that would let people know if, you know, if their property was researched. Okay. Oh, so this is like their baseline of when they, when they initially did the surveys? Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, if, they don't, if the people don't find their property there, it doesn't mean that they don't have information on file. Right. And so they should all contact. Reach the out to them. Yeah. Trust. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, and I know that Lancaster history is more usually focused on, like the people, and then Lancaster the Preservation Trust is more focused on buildings. Is that would you say that's probably the distinction? Or yeah, they're they're more interested in historic architecture. Okay. Uh, the style, particular architectural styles that are prevalent in particular particular right. time frames, were research focused 
and helping researchers so that if anyone wants to come in to do any sort of research, you know, genealogy or, or, or um, house history, we can, we can help them. Okay, very good. So, yeah. yeah. Now, the one thing I wanted to mention sure. while I'm thinking of it uh, is when I'm talking about taxes, there's two taxes that would be, might be of use and very interesting for people. Uh, the first one's 1815 U.S. direct tax. So, I usually say that if people can follow their deed and ownership back to 1815 and know who owns owned the property, okay. it'll tell you what, they'll, it'll describe dimensions, the size, the measurements, the building materials of the houses, the barns, the outbuildings, all that. So it really gives you a really good snapshot of what the property looked like in 1815 okay. if yeah. you can get back that far. If you can go back even further, there's a certain portion of Lancaster County, not all of it, that survived and it's called the, the glass tax or the 1798 tax, direct tax, direct tax. Okay. And the, that usually gives who was on the property, whether it's the owner or someone else. Okay. And it also gives you a description of the property, okay. just like the 1815 tax. So it's it, those two tax. I just wanted to let oh definitely know about those two yeah. Taxes. And do okay. you have both of those yes. here? Okay, mm-hmm. okay, very good. And I was just actually reading about the glass tax um, two days ago. I'm preparing for a, a window <laughs> presentation. I was reading about the glass tax, so that's interesting. Um, so when after you've um, determined like who the owners are, what what would your next step be? Well, again, it depends on the question. If someone's okay. looking for the the age, that would be one thing, right. which which we discussed. If it's trying to find out the people, then you would want to use like the direct uh, the um, the U.S. federal census, the okay. population schedule. Uh, now, I'm going to sort of differentiate. Population sure. schedule will be the people now. The complete run of the census is from 1790 to 1940 now. And so the first census that names people in the household, as far as not the head of household, right. but everyone in the household, is 1850. Okay. And then they keep refining by narrowing the ages, for example. And, and, and the questions they asked depended on what was going on in the country. Right. So in 1940, they were asking about... Uh, employment and such. In 1930, for some reason, they were interested to see who was who had a radio set. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And, and 1900, 1910, when there's a big influx of immigration, they wanted to know if people were naturalized, what stage they were naturalized, when did they come into the States, okay. where were they born, mm-hmm. things like that. But uh, that sort of gives you a little bit about who was living at the property, once you know that they owned the property. Okay. okay. Um, 1840 and before, it's only the name of head of household and age ranges and, and, and the, the gender of the, the people in the household. Okay. There are other schedules uh, besides population. There was the agricultural schedule. So if, you, if someone's owning a farm and they're doing research on the farm, they might want to look into the... Uh, the agricultural census, I believe it's like 1850, 60, 70, and it will tell what what was raised, you know, if it was, you know, what crops were raised, what livestock, um, acreage, 
things along that line. Okay. So it's sort of, sort of yeah. that it gives way. you some more more information. Yeah, more information about what they were doing. Um, the other thing would be the manu- what they call the manufacturer's schedule, and people think, and I, I understand why, you know, because of like industrial revolution mm-hmm. and such. Um, but manufacturer's t- schedule at that point meant anyone who created um, items that were, I think the, the the income was 500, or the or the or the number of units was 500 and above. So a shoemaker. Okay. So any any type of somebody who would a craft a craftsperson. Yeah. Yeah. So so you know, like it could be a shoemaker, could be a blacksmith, could be. Um, oh, I'm not sure. Cabinets. So, yeah. 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 yeah any, any any kind of manufacturing. Any kind of manufacturing. So it's you know people sort of sidetrack it because they you know right away they think. Factories and smokestacks, and that's right. not necessarily yeah. what they were recording back then. Okay, very um, interesting. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think what else here. Oh, I know. Any time that you have an owner, and especially uh, yeah, you know the owner's name, you might want to find out if they died there. Okay. Uh, yeah, not necessarily f- to see if it's haunted. <laughs> okay. Do you do that too? <laughs> <laughs> We, we have questions and we, we address those questions. Yeah. But 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 if if the person died there, uh, they usually have an estate inventory for the person, and so it'll tell you what the people had in the house. You know, okay. And you know, it might describe like a sideboard. It might expl- explain that there was a corner cupboard or a particular uh, portrait or you know anything like that that right. might give people. And inf- information about the interior of the house and, of, and, and how it was furnished and how yeah. it was furnished. Very, very and would that also where would that be is that just part of like the house records that you have or is that something that would have been recorded with the the county well it's it's, it's a county government record but okay. we have them here for lancaster county okay up until a little bit over a little bit after uh 1900 okay so but before that you know you, you'll find lots of interesting so a lot of times I'll tell you the occupation uh, if people are researching mostly rural, rural try this again rural people mm-hmm. uh, they might come across the name yeoman y-e-o-m-a-n and some people think it means um, someone who's a sailor oh yeah it's like no that back then that was a farmer okay okay uh, but might tell you the occupation, even if they don't tell you right out front, you know, right up top. Right. Uh, just looking at the tools that people had. Oh, that makes sense. Example, yeah. Uh, well, might give you an idea of what the people did. Right. And you can write a narrative about this particular time, this house, so and so was a black, you know blacksmith, or the you know so and so was a uh, a weaver. Right. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. And that's all sort of interesting, I think. That yeah, that that's very interesting. Uh, I try to remember. There was one other thing about oh about the taxes. Oh, one other thing about the taxes. Um, in Pennsylvania, there's three categories of taxpayers very early on, um, and it's sort of followed through too. The first one will be freeholder, and freeholder would be landowner. So, okay. so after the Revolutionary War, a little bit later, anyone who would have been designated as freeholder before. Is now known as a landowner. Okay. The second one would be 
inmate. And uh, inmate is not a prisoner. Okay. <laughs> inmate is a tenant. Okay. Okay, or, or renter. And the third category, and I, I, I sort of joke, but at the same time, I really don't know this. I don't know it, so I really should take some time to find out why. Uh, they separated the single men, 21 and over. Hmm. And But sometimes people come in, they're, even if they're doing genealogy, and they say, oh, well, my family was really poor, right. they wouldn't be in the tax records. You know, if you owned a pig, if you owned right. a sow. They were taxed. They were taxed. Yeah. It wasn't land, necessarily. Yeah. It, it was more personal property. So, so you'll see um, in the earlier records, those three categories, sometimes the tax collector at the time lumped the freeholders and the tenants together. Okay. And other times they delineated the three. Um, but that's your get, way of getting a timeline, and hopefully that's your way of filling in the years between the census. Right. Yeah, because the census only gives you a snapshot every, every 10 years. Right. Yeah. So... I just wanted to mention about the category. Yeah, I when yeah with the research we've been doing, the um, I kept seeing inmates. So then I had to go figure out why why there were so many inmates. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that could be a that could be a problem. Is it really meant what? It, yes, <laughs> what we assumed. <laughs> so, what other um, sources do does Lancaster history have in 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 the collection that to to for to search for house history? Okay. Well. One one thing that we have, one, t one category of record we have are maps. Okay. So in Lancaster County, we have three atlases, and then within the atlases, each townships will have names of owners, and they are the owners. Okay. And, and numbers besides the name. The numbers are the acres. Oh, okay. Okay. But you'll see like a little smudge right next to the name, and that means there's a house there. So the... the for the dates would be the first the earliest atlas for Lancaster County is 1864 and it's called the Bridgens Atlas B R I D G E N Bridgens Atlas. The next one was 1875 and that was um, Everts and Stewart. So that would be E V E R T T S or something and mm -hmm. Stewart. That's 1875. The last one was 1899, and that was Graves and Steinbarger. They, I'm, I'm giving the names of the, the publishers. Right, yeah. And so that's 1899. Um, and then we might have some earlier countywide, I mean, just the entire county. Okay. So uh, these were more broken, more narrow. Right, right. Okay. Right. And so the earlier ones were the county, you had to have a really mega amount of land to show up. Okay. And also, they were mostly interested not necessarily where the houses were, but basically where the mills were, where the um, where the, the industry, houses were, yeah. where the taverns were, stuff like that. So that's why you won't see that much. You might sort of see what it looked like a little bit, but that's that's the primary purpose of those. Now, and that's mostly that's mostly the outlying areas of the city of the okay. city. Um, I think 1809 gives more detail about the city. You know, the two, they, they show a street map. Oh, yes. And the wards and such. Now, if someone's in a town in Lancaster County, um, there may be what they call the Sanborn Fire Insurance Maps. And what they do is it's, it's, it's 
the fire insurance company uh, was interested in the building materials and the structures of cities, uh, I guess, for fire reasons. Right, right? To, to see what their risk or exposure is, yeah. Right. So, so um, but they were mostly interested in cities and towns and no, no rural area, just yeah. the towns. So within Lancaster County, I think, of course, Lancaster City, and then they did it periodically. Okay. It wasn't just once a done. And they kept updating. Right. Yeah. And so we have Lancaster City from 1886. I think they began 1886, every place. Okay. So we have Lancaster City 1886, like, I think there's one in 1903, one's 1912. Uh, and then it's color-coded, like pink would be brick, yellow would be wood, okay. blue would be stone. Yeah. And it would, it would show you a neighborhood. So a lot of times people, if they, if they live in a city or a town and they look at the Sandborn map, they want a copy of where the house was oh, yes. to, to yes. show where, what the neighborhood looked like. Mm -hmm. And it, it also would give you a timeline, like if, if your um, property, if your house isn't in 1886, but it's in 1903, there's You know at some frame. point, yeah, you, you can kind of narrow down. Yeah, yeah, and then you can start refining tax searches yeah. and all that stuff. Uh, so some of the towns I remember that's covered from Lancaster County would be Lancaster, Marietta, Columbia, um, Lidditz, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure about the home. Uh, and actually, Mushroom Borough, too. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that's sort of a, a neat thing to have because people can take pictures. Right. Oh, and they are colorful. They're pretty. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, so if you... if. Well, here's the thing, though, with our collection, it's only the city that we have hard copies of. Okay. We do have the others on microfilm, but they're black and white. Oh, okay. Now, there's other places that people can get hard copies or look at the hard copies, and I think there's probably going to be some online. Yeah. Uh, I know Penn State has a lot of them. Oh, do they? Okay. That's right. And so maybe there's a way of getting an image from that uh, site or... I'm not sure about that, but yeah, they are nice if you can get the color-coded ones. Um, the, I'm trying to think what I was going to say here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the different maps, the different, yeah. the different uh, sources. Oh, yeah, different sources. Well, yeah I, yeah, I did want to mention that. Anyway, I wanted to mention that we have the hard copies only of the city, and then the, the other towns I mentioned were... On micro, or on microfilm. On microfilm, okay. Okay, very yeah. good. Um, and we kind of talked about what information you can find out from from the, you, at least from the Sanborn maps, you can see the construction and, and different things. So, um, oh, but, uh, oh, sure. I'm sorry, one other thing is, but if you do the Sanborn maps and you mm -hmm. see your house, you might see, if, if you suspect that there's an extension. Oh, yes. Right, you might see the extension happening between two different. Days. Oh, so you can see when that occurred too. Yeah, yeah. that makes that makes a lot of sense because the other maps just kind of show you that it was there. It doesn't show you what it was. These give you more more detail. Right. Okay, so um, how can someone contact Lancaster History, or um, should they go to the website? Should they? But, yeah, well, that would okay. be the first step. Okay, be a website. Um, our website is. You know, www.lancasterhistory.org. Uh, once they're on the first page, there'll be words on the top, and one's called research, and they click on the research. It'll take them to an, the second page, which will uh, offer different selections like research services, um, which would 
they're fee-based services but that's one one option the other option is to be able to just click on the word collections and there's different collections so there'd be library catalog there'd be an archival uh, uh, search for uh, county level government records which could include which which does include inventories okay if they have if someone has an old hotel or tavern there'd be a tavern license oh yes Maybe. Uh, they also have what they call mechanics leads. Mm. So if someone uh, was wasn't paying up the right. contractor, right? That's the other question. Is like that's even more difficult and rare to find. Is someone is well, who exactly built the house? Oh, the actual builder. Actual okay, yeah. yeah. And that's even that would be hard to, to yeah. uncover, especially yeah. before building permits. <laughs> right, right. So, so the mechanics leads may. If yeah. the owner didn't pay up, yes. Yeah. If there was a dispute at if the end, a dispute at the end, <laughs> they might find out who built the house. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So, so that's in the archives collection. There'll be uh, a search for the county documents, but you have to know the owners. Uh, the um, museum again, uh, just giving this as a possible. Oh yes. As an yeah. example, if, again, if someone has had a tavern or a hotel, we may have a hotel sign, mm. for example. Right. Or, or if you know some people who own the property, we might have the corner cupboard that was listed in the inventory. Oh, yes. Okay, so, so they want to look at all the different collections with the information and the knowledge of the owners uh, beforehand. We also have a photo collection. Now, that's the yes. other thing, too. We have thousands and thousands of photos, and a lot of times people say, well, I want to see if you have a picture of my old house. It's one, two, three, north, whatever. It, the photos don't usually right. that. <laughs> they might just say North President, or they might say North Shipping, or what have you. And you sort of, and I, I usually sort of uh, suggest that if people are looking at the photos, um, they can look at the the streets, and even if the house isn't photographed. Um, it would still give them a snapshot of what the neighborhood was. Right. Like. Yeah. What it looked like. Yeah. 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 I, the photo collection is it's great. I mean, there's so many pictures on there. Right. And yeah. and if they do find something that they want, uh, the people want, then they can uh, go to the, the research services part of it, fill out the request. We need the object ID number. That's one they're go one thing they're going to ask for, and then uh, it'll be a fee. And what we normally do, I think the fees like. Uh, this is for personal use, not right. for publication or not for uh, exhibit, but for personal use, I think it's like $10. Yeah. And then $5 per week or something like that, more. But we, we put it on a disc, or, or we send it by file, but oh, mostly okay. we send it by file. And then people can you know, make it any size that they want. Right, they can print it out themselves, right. yeah. 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 Very, yeah, and yeah, so the website is, and it, it tells you how to come in and, and look at, um, come in and do, use the research library if, if you're if you're inclined and in, in the neighborhood. Right. So, um, and then I guess that kind of leads us to how can someone, you know, support Lancaster History would be memberships or? Yeah, I mean, there's different ways of supporting mm -hmm. the organization. You know, there's, there's different levels of membership. Um, if you know, there'd be individuals at $50, uh, a family at 75 uh, I think the, the 
the lowest, I guess they would call it corporate. I, I don't know the exact term. I think it would be corporate. Along the, excuse, excuse me, like a business. I think it's like a hundred bucks. Okay. And then there's different levels. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, you come in. It's if you're not a member already, we would we we ask for seven dollars per researcher per day. Okay. It, and if senior status applies, it's five dollars per day. Come in if you think you're going to be here a, a number of times, then and you decide to make a you know, become a member, then we can apply whatever you paid that day to, to the membership. To the membership, okay. Yeah. There's also the store here. Oh, yes. Shop yeah. We have, like, different different books on different uh, topics. Some are dealing with historic architecture and gardening and things like that. Yes. So, yeah. Okay, well, very good. Is there anything else that you thought of that you want to share? Or are we, I think we covered everything, but if you think of anything, I'm... Um, well, I, I guess I, I wanted to say that if people attempt uh, to to use the website and, they, and they're having difficulties, just give us a call, and we can try to step people through uh, enough to help them navigate it. And so our phone number is seven one seven three nine two four six three three. And our hours are Monday through Saturday, 9.30 until 5 each day. Um, no evening hours. Okay. So if they, if they do need to call us, they should call us. You know, during the, during your, yeah. your regular hours. And I'll make sure that the website and the phone number and the, um, your hours are on our website when, when I do this, the post for this. Okay. Okay. Well, thank, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.